Hi, Darren. Hi, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling into this. I really appreciate it. Oh, hey, no problem. No problem. Thanks for reaching out. Oh, of course. To give you a little bit of background, I'm just uh, a lifelong Dallas Mavericks fan. I'm born and raised in Dallas, and um, I'm, I'm just very passionate about the team and about NBA history, and I wanted to create something where I could talk to Mavericks from the past and talk to them a little bit about about their their high school and college career and their basketball career as a whole with a little bit of more emphasis on their time in Dallas. But yeah, just to kind of hear their story. So I'm excited to talk to you. All right, cool. One of the first questions that I like to ask when I'm talking to a former Maverick is just what got you started in the game of basketball initially as a kid? Well, when I was, when I was really young, my father just kind of introduced it to me gradually when I was literally probably could walk, you know, like I was two years old. Mm-hmm. He just put a ball out in front of me and kind of got me started shooting at the hoop. You know, the, he might have had the basket about a foot off the ground at the time. <laughs> and then as I got older, he just kept raising the basket and, you know, making me feel good about making a basket. He, he, got, he got me started at an early age, and then when I was a kid, I just really took to it and played all the time. And I didn't really have a growth spurt until I was – like a junior in high school. I was only six one my sophomore year in high school and I was probably 140 pounds. And then my senior year in high school, I was six eight and 185 pounds. So I wasn't really even thinking about playing college ball until mm-hmm. my junior year. And I, as a kid, I always had a dream of playing the NBA and I, I followed the game and followed, you know, the, the good players we had in high school, you know, when I was a little kid and also college. And then once I got to be taller and thought it, you know, could really be something I could could uh, get into, I, I started really getting serious. Yeah, that's that's really neat. When you were in high school, were there any um, notable players that you played against, either, you know, future big-time players or future NBA players at that time? You know, where I'm from, I'm from a small little town in Washington State. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played a school ball. Colin Coward about a year ago said I was the best high school player he ever saw live, um, wow. which was pretty nice, pretty neat to hear. I, someone had told me that, and then I, I heard it on the show. Um, so in my area, I was like, you know, just not to brag, but I was I was pretty big time for my area. But again, I was like an A school ball player, you know, small school. I had about seventy five kids in my graduating class. So a lot of the guys I played against in high school, you know, the, the tallest guys I probably played against were six five, six six usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really play against anybody that you would probably have heard of or, or know of. Um, not until I got into college. You know, I, I, how I ended up at Pitt is kind of a funny story. I, I, I was recruited probably by probably like 50 Division One schools and had offers to a lot of mid-majors, and I always had a dream of playing – at least in the Pac-10, mm-hmm. and Marv Harshman, the late Marv Harshman, had offered me, and then he he retired. He was at the University of Washington, and the new coach that came in in honor of the scholarship and thought I should try to come on as a walk-on because I was I was very thin. I guess he was nervous about my ability to guard the post, or also was I athletic enough to guard the wing? And uh, I was getting recruited by a guy named Mike Montgomery at Montana, really hard. And he had actually transferred. He had actually got promoted to the Stanford job, and they had offered me. And it was one of those things where they, wrote, you know, sent you a letter along with two other guys. 
Mm-hmm. And one of those other guys was Adam Keefe, and he, he committed to him like a day before I got back to him. And that was my lone BCS offer. So after that fell through, I uh, there was a friend of mine who played on my AAU team who was actually getting recruited by the Naval Academy. and It seemed attractive at the time. I was, I was good in school, and um, David Robinson had just led him to the final, the Elite Eight in basketball. So I thought that would be a good opportunity academically and basketball-wise, and I, I really didn't know a whole lot about the military, to be honest. And that was the year, 1987 was the year Top Gun was coming out, so I guess I thought I might be like Tom Cruise chasing Kelly McGinnis or something. <laughs> but uh, I, I got to the Naval Academy, had some big games, and got re-recruited, and one of the schools was Pitt. The other schools were Virginia and Vanderbilt, and um, I ended up, at the time, the Big East was really a, a great conference, and I, I just wanted to play at the. I wanted to play in the NBA at that time, and I also wanted to play in a great college conference. So I just went for it, really, and that, that's how I ended up in Pittsburgh. Wow, that's really neat. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask um, about your college experience playing at Navy, and then, and then Pittsburgh. So thank you for for going into that. So you graduated Pitt in 1992, and you were drafted in the second round by Boston, but you never actually got to play with them. Did you, you did report to the team and all that, and, and you went through training camp there, correct? Yeah, I, the fir- their first round pick was John Barry, and um, I was their second round pick. And as a second round pick, you don't have guaranteed money. So right. at the time, the Celtics had the, literally a Hall of Fame front court. They had Larry Bird, Kevin McGill, and Robert Parrish. And they're, their backups were a guy named Joe Klein. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, yeah, I remember Joe Klein. He was like seven foot, you know, 290 pounds, and he was like a seventh pick from Arkansas. He, I think he played in the 1980 or 84 Olympics. You know, so he that was a hard guy to beat out. And then Ed Pigney was their other front court player from Villanova. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you know his, his background or career, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, they, I'm familiar with that. And then they had another front court player named Stoiko Vrankovic that was like seven foot four. And Larry Bird in his book called him the greatest athlete he'd ever seen. Wow. So I, I just, I was so honored to get drafted by the Celtics, but it was really almost, it was a very hard team to make. So on the last day of camp, they cut me. But I, I had gone through the summer with them and also the, the uh, fall you know, in the month leading up to the regular season and got to play in the preseason. It was a great experience. I mean, something I'll never forget. They're just the legendary players were not only on the team, but the legendary players who would retire, they would hang out, guys like Bob Cousy and John Havlicek. Those kind of guys would be at practice on a fairly regular basis. And Red Arbuck was still the, uh, you know, the guy kind of calling the shots as far as their draft picks. So it was really a, it was really a neat place to, to get drafted and I'm really thankful that I had the opportunity to you know be around that environment it was it was really something yeah no that, that is really cool and I know after that you you spent some time in the CBA um, on a team called the Fargo Moorhead Fever what was your your CBA experience like for you before? when when the Celtics let me go you would think that I would have gone and played somewhere right away and, and the mm-hmm. agent I had at Time was Bob Wolf Associates. They were a really big outfit. He actually was an agent for Larry Bird, and he he was like 
internationally like he had Anwar Sadat, which was like the prime minister of Egypt or some of the time. And he had Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch or whatever whatever their name was. <laughs> so he, he was really big and he's probably too big for me. And um, they were trying to get me a job over in Europe and I don't know how I don't know how hard they were really trying for me just because I was such a small, you know, fish for them. Mm-hmm. And um, really, I, I had the t- Tri-Cities out in Washington State had my rights. And they had a guy by the name of Wayne Tinkle there. I don't know if you remember that name. Not that name. I'm not Wayne, familiar with that one. He's actually a head coach now for the men at Oregon State. But he he had a good career at Montana. And I actually met him on my recruiting visit to Montana when when they were recruiting me. And um, ended up knowing him over the years playing, you know, overseas and stuff. And even, like, bouncing around the CBA. But he was a really good post player. So he was like 6'11". And for whatever reason, Tri-Cities wouldn't release my rights because they thought Wayne might get called up to the NBA, which he, he didn't when, when I was waiting around. And for whatever reason, they never brought me in right away. So I sat for like probably a good month or two. Oh, wow. Seemed like It seemed like an eternity, but I was just trying to get, you know, playing so I could keep in shape and try to get back in the NBA. And um, somehow I ended up in Fargo. I don't know. They must have got draft pick or money or I don't know how that happened, but mm-hmm. I mean, I can't remember how that happened, but even when I got to Fargo, they had a guy named by the name of Dave Hobson and he had played in Nebraska and he played in the NBA for quite a while. And he was like seven foot and real skilled. And the same kind of thing happened. It was like, I had to wait my turn and, you know, I was a rookie and they just, you know, it was one of those things where vets played on this team and, and finally, they put me in. I had like 27 points and 20 rebounds in like three quarters. <laughs> and then after that, kind of the rest was history. And then so I, it's kind of funny. So when that when when that season was over, I mean, I literally only played about a month, month and a half of the end of the season because I was having a hard time even getting in the game. I was getting in for like five minutes. And then once I proved myself, I I start I I ended up starting and playing all the time. But after that season was over. Um, I changed agents and I got an agent by the name of Bill Blakely. I don't know if you remember that name. Uh, Bill Blakely was sounds familiar, he, but I, I'm, I might be thinking of someone else. He was an old ABA coach, actually, along in the old days. Mm-hmm. And he was a neat guy, and he his family was in the business. And when I hired him, he, he told me that I really ought to take a look at coming to Dallas because he said that team at the time wasn't very good, and he thought for sure I could make the team, and he was right. So I, I ended up going to Dallas, and I was starting. I mean, I, I came in as a four-string center. They just brought me in probably as cannon fodder, to be honest. I don't know if they thought I would make the team. They had Sean Rooks at the time, and Sean Rooks had broke his leg. And I had known him in college. I had played against him in college when I was at Pitt. We played Arizona a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'd played against him in all the – the different camps, like when you came out of college, like Orlando and Portsmouth were the big ones that I played in. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done really well in those camps, was an all-star in both those camps. That's kind of how I kind of cut my teeth and even got my name in the hunt. Yeah. We drafted. When I was in Dallas, Sean, Sean Brooks had gone down probably like a week in the camp. He blew out his knee. And so that opened up the starting role. And they had a guy named Greg Dryling that stayed around with Dallas as a I think a year or two as a backup, and then he became like an assistant coach. Yeah, I remember, like I remember Greg. Three, 
Yeah, he was like seven two or seven three from Kansas, and I I had beaten him. I was beating him out, and then they had another guy named Don Hodge, and I was beating him out. And I I was starting and playing a lot, and we we were just really young. We had Derek Harper was the only vet we really had that started and played a lot. Right. Uh, we had Lafayette Lever who was older, but we, the literally the rest of us were were so young. We had Jim Jackson, Jamal Mashburn, Popeye Jones. Lucius Harris and me, and we were all basically rookies because Jim Jackson had sat out the year before, the year he was drafted. Yeah, and he so did. Yeah, I was in the same draft as Jack Jim Jackson, and so was Popeye. But Popeye had gone overseas. I can't remember who drafted him, and Jackson held out all year for more money his 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 rookie year, and then Mashburn came in the next year, and so did Lucius Harris. So literally, um. Or maybe Lucius Harris was in my draft too, but basically we were all rookies. We never, none of us had played in the NBA except, you know, obviously guys like Harper and Lafayette and some of these. We had a few older guys like Randy White and Terry Davis. There were quite a few guys that were hurt at the time, and the morale of the team was not very high. We lost a lot. And so what happened with me, I went from starting to basically you know, coming off the bench, but they were trying to get away from playing as many rookies because in the paper at the time, you know, the sport writers were saying maybe they were playing too many young guys, but we really didn't have, we just didn't have the talent, you know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, the next thing you know, it was that time of year where they, you know, if they were going to get rid of people, they could, it was like right around Christmas. And Bill Blakely had been talking to the owner, uh, Don Carter, you know, about what, or with the general management, I guess, not Carter, mm-hmm. asked what they were going to do with me. And they were like, oh, we, you know, we think we'll keep him. And, you know, he's doing great. And the next thing I know, right when that deadline happened, they released me because I, I didn't have guaranteed money when I came to camp. So whatever money they had paid me up to that point, I made. But as far as the rest of my contract, they basically figured they could just screw me and, you know, let me go be, because they didn't owe it to me you know, by right, because I didn't have the guaranteed contract. And everyone else they had on the team was either on injured reserve or on the team, and they all had guaranteed contracts. And so there was nowhere to put me. There, I couldn't, they couldn't even put me in injured reserve. There was nowhere to put me, so they ended up letting me go. And I met with the owner for like three hours. Wow. <laughs> I tried to talk him out of it. I had actually drank probably about a half a case of beer, to be honest. <laughs> met with the owner for like three hours and told him I'd work at his warehouse loading furniture and yeah you know please don't do that to me and he, he laughed but he, he said that's the business I gotta, I gotta do it wow that's uh, that's interesting thank you for sharing that you know I hadn't you don't really hear about the behind the scenes things like that and that's kind of the reason why I've been doing this um, so I mean even though the team was struggling at that time. Um, I mean, did, did you enjoy your experience in Dallas? Um, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. The people were real nice and, um, you know, I was young, so it was a good place. It was a good city to hang out in. And, you know, the Cowboys were really hot at that time. That's when they had Aikman, Emmett Smith. And oh yeah. Yeah. Michael Irvin. I used to see those guys out sometimes. So that was neat. And, um, just the whole culture was different than I was used to, you know, Mm-hmm. It was it was nice. I enjoyed it. I liked the guys on the team. Quinn Buckner was our coach. I, you know, he was he was a good guy to play for for me. I mean, he, 
I had no problems with him or the assistants or the other players. I just, I just got caught up, I guess, on the business end. I, I was really happy that they, that I was able to make the team and I, they gave me the opportunity, but I was also sad. And when they let me go, you know, I, cause I felt like, well, everyone on the team felt like I did. I, I definitely deserved not to go. Like they wore my number, I think for about a week in protest, all the, a lot of the players did in practice. Yeah, I got. I, I've had a lot of good friends on the team, and a lot of the guys were pissed off because, you know, they. I was one of the guys that was working hard and trying to, to, to basically stay in the league. And there were guys on that team that were just kind of, you know, hanging out, really not working too hard, just because they. I guess they figured they could get away with it since they had guaranteed money, and they knew the team was bad anyway. So there were some guys that weren't trying too hard to get back. It was just kind of a weird environment, you know. Yeah, it was, it was such a different environment than Boston. I mean, Boston had such a winning culture at that time. And Dallas just, you know, just some of the players they had just weren't, they didn't have that same kind of culture at the time. Yeah, it sounds like that. And, you know, I'm looking at uh, a list of all the games you played for Dallas. And, yeah, I mean, you were, once you actually got to see some playing time, you were playing some significant minutes. You had several games playing over 30 minutes, a lot over 20. You had uh, – yeah. You had some double doubles or near double doubles. Like you were definitely contributing. So I could I could see why you know you would be frustrated at that. You know, being let go when you were producing and playing pretty efficiently. Yeah. No. I mean, you hit it right on the head. I, you know, I played a lot of games, like you said, over twenty minutes. I had a lot of games that were close to ten points. You know, eight rebound type games. And mm-hmm. for the minutes I played, my average you know, points and rebound production was good. I mean, I actually thought I was going to get probably a three-year deal for like $5 million, to be honest. Oh, wow. That's what my agent was telling me. He's, you know, he said, you keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get a, you know, something like that. That was kind of the going rate for a guy like me at the time. And um, I just, it was really, I, I mean, it, I was really, really sad that I, that you know, that, that we were losing like we were and that, I didn't have the guaranteed money, and I, I just got caught up kind of in the business side of, side of the NBA. Yeah, definitely. Um, during your time here, were you, at that time, were, were you treated as a, as a rookie, even though you had already spent a little bit of time in Boston and it was, you know, a, a full season later? Were you still treated by, as a rookie as some of your veteran, by some of your veteran teammates? Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, we all kind of were, you know, mm-hmm. really. I mean, because a lot of us were rookies in the NBA, even though we were really second year out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was like that. But, I mean, but that didn't last too long. I mean, they treated you like one of the guys, you know. And Being that we had such a young team, there were so many of us, it was kind of hard to, like, you know, say vets and then rookies. I mean, cause, and a lot of us were playing so much. So, you know, it just – it didn't really feel too much like it, you know, pretty quick because we were, most of us were starting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all the guys that had been there were either coming off the bench or on injured reserve. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So about in, I guess in December, late December of 93, you're waived by Dallas and about two months later. Or so a little less than that, you were signed to a 10 day contract by the jazz. Um, you, you only played one game there, but uh, did you have any um, like memorable interactions with Stockton and Malone in, in your? In yeah, your, I mean, so 
Yeah, so it's kind of there's some funny stories in there actually. So when I got like when I, when Dallas let me go, mm-hmm. um, Eric Musselman, you know the coach at Nevada Arena now. Yeah, he was a coach at Rapid City, um, S- South Dakota. So like the year before when I had played for Fargo, one of the big games I had was against them, and he made this big huge trade for me, like an eight player trade. You know, from the time Dallas let me go till the time I got picked up by Rapid City, which was probably a couple weeks. And I didn't really want to play back in the CBA at the time. I I actually was just contemplating retiring. I was, like, so upset, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And he talked me into, you know, he's like, hey, you know, you definitely should, you know, keep playing. I made this trade for you. So I went out, played for them. And it was kind of funny. I was, my head wasn't into it because I was so upset that – I was kind of just upset at the NBA or Dallas, you know, the ownership, the management ownership. Because I felt like I definitely earned my right way into the NBA. So I started getting kicked out of a lot of games in Rapid City. Just all, I did all kinds of things. I picked up a ref one time. I kicked a ball in the second, in the, in the rafters on the second, you know, uh, tier. Uh-huh. And, and me and Musselman got along great. He, he loved me as a person, and I really got along great with him. And finally, he called me uh, up and we met. He said, Darren, you know, what can I do for you? You know, you know, right now you're basically with a distraction. And I said, you know, try to get me back in the NBA where I feel I belong. And he put some calls out there. And I told him that when I was coming out of college, Utah was one of the teams that was looking at me. And um, sure enough, Utah said that they would take me. And their injury reserve was full. They had Luther Wright and Mark Eaton some guys like that that were on injured reserve, they're big guys. So they needed a, just another big guy in practice. And they had already seen me and played against me. You know, I, I'd already had like two games, I think against Utah, just for the little bit of time I was with Dallas. So when I got there, you know, same kind of deal kind of that happened in Dallas. I wasn't starting. Mm-hmm. And they were much more, you know, they were much more of a veteran team and an experienced team with Stockton Malone and a lot of guys. But, uh, the players really liked me. I, I used to go out and shake balls for Carl Malone, you know, before the game. And I had a good relationship there. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the guys that were there, they they treated me great. I thought for sure, you know, hey, I'm going to stay on through the playoffs and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. about 10 days after getting there, Musselman called them up and said, hey, you know, what are you thinking here? And they said, hey, we like him, you know, we plan on keeping him through the playoffs and everything. And then I think it was in the second – I had a second 10-day there. And uh, at the time, Carl Malone was really not happy with Jeff Malone because Jeff Malone, you know, shot the ball up and didn't play a lot of defense. Mm-hmm. That was that was when they, they made a trade for Jeff Hornacek from Philadelphia. And Philadelphia threw another guy in the trade, some guy named Sean something. I can't remember his last name, but he was just a guy like a minimum wage type of guy. And they were just trying to get rid of the contract, really. You know, they just they just didn't want to, They wanted someone else to basically eat the contract, and they figured they could get away with it because they knew that Utah really wanted Hornacek. So as soon as the trade happened, guys were calling me up on the team saying, "Oh, sorry, you know, we're sorry," you know, because they knew I was going to get screwed because it was the same thing as Dallas. The injury reserve was full, mm-hmm. and they had nowhere to put me. There was there wasn't anywhere to you know to even hold me. You know, on the injured reserve, and it was two coming in and one going out, so they had to get rid of somebody. So, I was, you know, I was just the last guy that had joined the team, so I was the easiest guy to cut. So, again, I got 
kind of hit with the whole NBA business side of it. Wow, that's that's interesting how that happened. Um, once that season ended, or once you know, once your your year in the NBA ended, you you know, you began a, a several year international career. Did did you enjoy that playing it in different? I could, uh, to be honest, I could have gotten in situations where I went to NBA camps and probably made some teams and mm-hmm. maybe lasted another year or two or three or you know, or maybe I would have got on with a team that, you know, the organization was better, you know. Um, and I actually got into a situation that where I could last, you know, maybe four or five years. But at that point, I was my I was kind of soured to the NBA just with those stories I shared. Yeah, you know, I felt like I just kind of was getting screwed for no real reason of my own, just just kind of a numbers game or a business side of it. And and um, I decided to go play over in Europe and. Right after the Utah Jazz let me go, this team in Spain was trying to stay up. They were they were in this playoff over there, and they were trying to stay up. And they paid me a nice salary, just come over for one month and kind of save the team. And we actually did. It was a five game series, and we were down two zero. We ended up winning three in a row against the the great Oscar Schmidt was on the other team. And uh, oh wow, yeah, I'm very yeah, yeah. I think he's like regarded as maybe the greatest player that never played in the NBA, right? Or one of them. Right. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Even he was yeah. a, he was older at that point, but that yeah. was that was a lot of fun and I I had some big games. I had a game, I think I had 29 points and 16 rebounds in that playoff series. Wow. And um I really enjoyed it and then I I told my agent I thought I could get like 250,000 a year and they wanted to pay like 180. And then my the agent I was using at that time was an international agent. He kind of threw me into the bus and ended up steering them toward a guy named Bobby Martin who played college and actually started ahead of me for for like a year or two at Pitt. Mm-hmm. And they told the team that they could get him for 120 grand. So that's the thing when you played over in Europe is you only had two or three Americans per team. So you the market didn't serve us well, you know what I mean? Because there were so many of us here in America that they could choose from. It took our the support. We had a lot of supply, so therefore, you know, we couldn't demand as much as let's say a European player. So there was a guy named St- Stefan Berlusconi mm-hmm. from Italy. They played in the NBA. He was a, he was like right around the same draft pick I was with Phoenix, and I don't even think he played. He might not have played at all in the NBA. I don't. I, I'm not sure. But he was very similar to my build, my body, my game, and he was making like a million a year over in Italy because he was an Italian. Oh wow! An Amer- you know, if he'd have been an American, he would have been making probably 150, 200 grand a year. You know, so just that part of the that part of the business, a lot of people don't understand too, was kind of would screw you too as an American. You know what I mean? So I, at that point, was just trying to make as much money as I could. And I mostly played in Italy, Spain, Argentina, played some Euro Cup series, you know, in Germany, Belgium, things like that. Played in Canada for a while. But yeah, the overall experience was great, but I, I never really made the kind of money I thought I would make just because I never got that, that deal, you know, that pretty good deal that you hear these guys making. The experience was great, though. I mean, I, I kept playing. So I I left Pitt in 92, so, you know, because I, I had a city year when I left the Naval Academy. So I should have been, really, my graduate year would have been 91. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Celtics drafted me in 92, and then I, I bounced around overseas from probably about 94 through 99. So all in all, I played about seven years. So like in the NBA and over in Europe, it, it, it was great. I mean, I love the experience over there. It was a lot of, I had, you know, I learned a lot about a lot of different cultures and it was, it was great. 
No, that, that is really neat. I mean, and it's, you know, if it, it didn't go the way you had hoped, but it sounds like it was a, a positive experience overall, just. Uh, yeah, overall, I have no regrets. I just wish I could have maybe played five or six years in the NBA, you know, because I thought, I thought I could definitely, I proved that I could play, you know what I mean? When I was yeah. in the NBA, I mean, I, I had really good games. I, I can't remember the minutes. You could probably find it, but I, I joke to people now that I held Patrick Ewing to a season low <laughs> in 93, 94, because we played him in, I can't remember, it was, we played him in New York and in Dallas. One of those, I, I, he only had seven points. I remember playing like 35 minutes in the game, too, and I guarded him the whole game. So, you know, he was probably just taking a night off because we weren't good. <laughs> but I tell, but I tell people that I said I that I say, hey, I held Ewing Ewing a season low that year. I think that was a season low for the whole entire year. That's <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. I found a box score from November of '93. Yeah, Ewing had seven points against against you and the Mavs. That's pretty cool. Does it say how many minutes I played? This says sixteen minutes. Oh, okay. So I exaggerated that one. Yeah, <laughs> but you were right on Ewing. For the 16 minutes I was in, I think I guarded him the whole time. So yeah, I mean, yeah. You were starting center, so you were probably playing against him the whole time. Yeah, yeah. That was a neat experience too. You know, when I played Shaq and David Robinson and Akeem Olajuwon, Sean Kemp. You know, those were all the centers. Mm-hmm. Playing. I mean, that that kind of that kind that was pretty cool experience. Just Rick Smith, you know, it was cool to go against all those guys for me. Yeah, no, that is neat. Yeah, because I'm looking at uh, – that was something I wanted to ask you. I saw, you know, you, you already mentioned that you went up against Utah a couple times, but then you also went up against Seattle and the Spurs and um, Denver. I'm guessing Matumbo might have been there at that time. And Matumbo was there, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, even though – If you look at the box scores, like I could tell you, I think Denver, I was four for five, I remember. Is that right? Do you see a box score? Let's see here. Um Three, you were three out of four. Four for five. Huh? This says three out of four against Denver. Okay. Three out of four. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I, and I played against him in college. I mean, I had – my percentage was pretty good. I shot close to 50%. Yeah, you did. You had a lot of uh, – like I said, I mean, you played pretty efficiently when you did play, even in the games that you yeah. played heavy minutes in. So, um, again, I could see why, you know, that would be – frustrating because you know you're paid to produce and you were producing yeah i was producing yeah. But i see guys you know now they're getting their chance and you know then they sign like a you know 30 million 50 million like these some of these guys are signing for like 75 million over five years that some of these guys basically did what i did you know what i mean that that's yeah. kind of hard to swallow yeah I no i have no regrets it was all a great experience no, yeah, that that makes sense. So, you know, your career has been over. Your basketball career has been over for close to twenty years now. What have you been doing since uh, since your playing days? So I, I first got into buying some rental properties, and I did that for about two or three years. And I was always, I had my license at license a few times to sell securities. And now I'm a financial planner mm-hmm. at uh, Morgan Stanley here in Pittsburgh. That's gone really well. I, I really enjoy it, and I like the relationships with people, and it's um, been a lot of fun. No, that's good to hear. Um, do you follow basketball closely these days? Yeah, I mean, not not super close, but I, I follow enough. Mm-hmm. 
I've had a chance to meet Mark Cuban a few times. He's he's from Pittsburgh, so that's been nice. I, I've I've gone down to a few games quite a while ago now, but I've gone to some games in Dallas since I left. Oh, was that and, at uh, at Reunion or or the American Airlines or American, Airlines? American Airlines? Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was nice. I enjoyed it, and I had a chance to meet up with Cuban and. The, the old the old Dallas Maverick office, the people that were there when I played were still there when I went. Oh, wow. So That's that was, neat. They treated me really well. Yeah, I've heard that from some of the uh, former players that I've talked to, um, especially, you know, maybe ones that even weren't here for that long, like, you know, in cases similar to yours, if they were here just a year or two. Um, they say, you know, every time they come back, they, they see a lot of familiar faces and uh, it's – they refer to it as very much like a family environment. So that's always nice to hear. Yeah, I, w- I would love to come back. It's been so long. I don't know if there's many people left in the office organization or not. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be fun. I, w- I would enjoy coming back. I would enjoy trying to get in touch with some of these players too. Do you have some of the contact information on some of the guys I play with? Um, let's see. I might have one um, because usually – let me see – who have you done a podcast with so far? Anybody that I would know? That's I'm checking. So I think I've only talked to one of your former teammates, um, but I've talked to I mean, a lot of guys um, from like the late '90s, early 2000s, a few from the '80s. I've talked to a few guys from the early '90s as well, but they just weren't on the on the team the year that you were there. But so far, the only one of your teammates that I've talked to is Chucky Brown. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember Chuck. Um, yeah, and uh, I, you know, I'd be happy to send you his email address if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, um, but I, I'm trying to get in touch with um, really anyone. But you know, I've talked to, I think, close to 30 former Mavs now. Um, but like I said, most of them are for, from a different time from you. But it, it's been a, it's been a fun process, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, That's so, cool. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but speaking of your former teammates um i like to to end these conversations with a little bit of trivia and test your memory test the former mavericks memory so right now i'm looking at the roster from the season that you played here in dallas and there are 18 names on it including you i wanted to see how many of them you can name and it's very possible that some of them played here you know after after you were released so you might have maybe you didn't play with all of them but i wanted to see how many of them you could name well me um do they do they have a guy named jared miller listed there he was a guy who came to camp no this is a regular season roster oh regular season so sean rooks yeah um donald hodge um Doug Smith, Terry Davis, Jim Jackson, Jamal Mashburn, Popeye Jones, Derek Harper, Jim Jackson, did I say him? Yeah, you said him. Uh, Tim Legler, Lucius Harris. Yep. Fat Lever. Yep. Uh, Greg Dryling, did I say him? You got him now. Yeah, some of these names you, you might have mentioned even earlier, too, in, in our conversation. Um, I think I said Popeye Jones, right? Yeah, it looks like you got five more. Uh, Randy White. Yep. A couple. 
couple that got Terry. Did I say Terry Davis? You did say him. And some of these, some of these guys, you know, may maybe weren't there after you were released. Maybe they came on later in the year or something. I'm not positive on all the dates. Yeah. What other guys do you have there? Well, one we just mentioned was Chucky Brown. Um, oh, Chucky. Yeah, he. I think he came in after I got let go. Oh, really? Okay. I thought you guys. I thought I saw his name on this box score when uh, when we checked the Knicks game, but I, I could. Um, or it was close. Like he he they might have traded him in. Because I, I I vaguely remember him being around, but we yeah. we had probably a little bit overlap, and it wasn't much. It might have been a week. Yeah. Um, Tony Campbell, Moreland Wiley, and Lorenzo Williams. Yeah, Moreland Wiley. I remember Moreland. Tony Campbell, I think, was kind of a transition. Well, yeah, I definitely remember that name, too. Yeah. Um, Moreland Wiley, for sure, I remember. I just, I, it's been so long, but yeah. Oh, Moreland yeah. Wiley. No, that's, Who uh, else did you have? Um, the last one was Lorenzo Williams. Yeah, I think, Loren- I think Lorenzo, Tony Campbell, and Chucky Brown – I think they kind of came in after me a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. Well, right. yeah, I knew that was a possibility, but I mean, you knocked out a lot of the names and I figured you might do pretty well with this because earlier in the conversation, you mentioned several of them off the top of your head. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you asked me that. It brings back memories. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Moreland uh, Wiley, that's what I forgot about. Yeah. Moreland Wiley. He was a good guy. He was there. He was there. He was a good, good, good guy. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Oh, hey, no problem at all. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. And uh, once I get this online, I'll, I'll email you the, a link to it. Okay, that'd be great. All right, great. Well, thanks a lot, Darren. Have a great night. Hey, you too, pal. Thank you. You take okay. care. All right, you too. Bye. All right, bye-bye.